Top stories of the week. The Pakistan government collapses after a vote of no confidence. I know there's other top stories this week, but I don't have the energy or the capacity to deal with Scott Morrison calling an election. And now we have to deal about with that reality coming our way like a Mack truck just charging in our direction. I'm still busy with the Melbourne National Comedy Festival. Shows are continuing on to the 24th of April every single day. And boy, are they taking a toll. Um, look, it's it's fun. I get to do a show every day. But, you know, numbers are down because of COVID, because of lockdowns. People are, are being more cautious about getting out. I completely understand it. Uh, but if you are an interested in coming out, to my shows in Melbourne, to my shows in Sydney, and to my shows in Perth, which have just been announced as well on the Perth Comedy Festival website. I'll put them all up on the thesamishah.com as well very soon. Um, please do so, because your support um, means laughter in the audience when I make my jokes, and laughter helps comedians very, very much indeed. Um, here's what I'm going to do. Like I said, you know, we're doing this kind of editorial editions until the, the comedy festival ends and I get a bit of my life back as well, a bit of my ability to breathe back and focus once again on the news headlines. And God, has there been some news that needs to be news weekly or at least punched in the headlines very hard. We're going to do all of those things. But right now, I thought another editorial edition where I talked to someone about some of the stuff going on in the world. Uh, the last one was with Ali Mustafa, who is a very old friend of mine who is currently in Ukraine. Uh, you can follow him on at Ali and uh, bottom slash, lower slash, you know, the down slash, the, the slash below. Uh, no, slash, dash, the, the bottom dash. So A-L-I bottom dash M-U-S-T-A-F-A uh, on Twitter and he's always got some really great updates, some really grim and, and serious updates coming out live from Ukraine. The other thing I wanted to do was try to make sense of what's happening in Pakistan right now. It is a news story that's made uh, the headlines around the world, even here on the ABC in Australia. They've been covering it quite extensively. The Imran Khan government has not, not survived a full term, just like every other de democratic government in Pakistan to date, three and a half years in, and then a vote of no confidence in the parliament meant its collapse. And I want to know why. I haven't paid much attention to Pakistani politics at all. I, I kind of keep out of it because it's, I can only handle one batshit crazy political structure at a time. And Australia largely has my focus there. But I got in touch with an old friend of mine as well, also a Dawn News uh, survivor. He's actually still at Dawn News in Pakistan. Uh, and he does a TV show, a weekly talk show in which he analyzes the news and does news commentary. His name is Zarar Koro, very old friend of mine, a very, very respected journalist and a very senior journalist with, with extreme gravitas. And even though he lacks um, the critical faculties required to understand that the DC movies, particularly the Zack Snyder Justice League of America movies, are absolutely atrocious and terrible and should not be respected, um, especially when compared to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know, I still trust his judgment on this one issue. So this is me talking to Zarar Koro about Imran Khan's government and what the hell just happened there. All right, Zarar Koro, thank you so much for speaking with me all the way from Karachi. You're in Karachi right now? I am in Karachi, yes. All right. And how, what's the mood in Karachi these days now that the government has yet again collapsed, fallen, been thrown out? Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's okay. So if you're going to go by social media, right? Mm -hmm. So um, there's absolute, you know, uh, there are all the five, was it five stages of grief? Right? <laughs> yes. Um, 
we have now hit about 50 and counting um <laughs> you know so so yeah there, there are now stages of grief that i i don't believe uh, really even exist in this particular timeline you know um we were borrowing stages of grief from the multiverse <laughs> at large at, at this point in time so yeah so 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 look uh, uh, reactions are ranging from everything to like you know a few people being like oh you know it's like a victory for the constitution and so on and so forth which of course it is um all the way to people being like okay so you know the uh, americans have toppled our government and you know we are just going to be slaves for the rest of our lives and so on and so forth so there's there's that's the entire uh, entire spectrum i think of opinions right now you have a lot of people pledging to you know make sure that Imran Khan gets re-elected whenever there are elections. Um, how much of that is actually going to translate into reality is another question, of course, because right now everyone's emotional. But then um, if elections are held like four or five months down the line, I mean, people are do tend to be fickle, people tend to change their minds fairly quickly. And of course, uh, you know, simply translating uh, public support or at least apparent public support into votes and then translating those votes into seats Mm. is uh, more of a logistical exercise than it is say an emotional one right so a lot of lot of lot of things are still up in the air something okay so let's let's give some context because look I, i'll be very honest i don't pay attention to pakistani politics very much anymore australian politics kind of already keeps my my palette full um mm. you know there's a lot going on here all the time so and i just felt like as an expat like i i'm, I'm i don't like the idea of expats you know having their fingers and toes in Pakistani politics and demanding that they have a say, I feel like I left, it's not my place to kind of, you know, give people lectures and stuff. So I stay away from it largely. Um, Imran Khan, this is a story I know. Imran Khan won the election three and a half years ago. It was an election that a way a victory that was 20 or 30 years in the making from when I was a kid and you and I were children, you know, supporting the Imran Khan Cancer Hospital Fund from the you know cricket world cup victory his long rise in politics and everything you know being on the outskirts being seen as the incorruptible guy to finally building up a power base enough that he became the prime minister of pakistan three and a half years back what happened three and a half years later that he is now yet again like every prime minister we've had since in pakistan unceremoniously dumped before the end of his term Yes, um, the Pakistani system is such that no elected prime minister has ever completed his term in office. And that's not so much a bug as a feature. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and for that, really, you have to get the source code and, you know, the source code is more or less classified. Yes. So, yes. yeah. So uh, enough of that. Look, there was a great deal of hope. I mean, look, man, you and I, you and I have shared same narrative we grew up around and around at the same time we we have the same sort of historical and cultural and political reference points right uh, as the other so um in many ways i mean his election to his supporters was like the culmination of prophecy right mm -hmm. it was um you know the ring making its way to frodo and you know so on and, so <laughs> on. and now the powers of evil will be defeated and mordor shall fall you know and then you know, whatever, all of that, you know, it didn't quite turn out that way because you see what they didn't realize that there's a massive difference between reality and fantasy. Mm -hmm. right? So um, uh, one thing that was famous, for example, about this prime minister is that for every action he took, every statement he made, 
and that's I realized that sweeping. Well, I'm going to go with 90% here. Okay? okay. There was always a contradictory tweet, a contradictory statement. And I'm not talking about from 30 years ago. I'm talking about from three years ago. But that's you know, like a Donald Trump thing, right? Like with Trump, there was that statement that there's always a tweet, no matter what he says, there's always a thing where he contradicts yeah, himself. Very, yeah. very, very similar phenomenon. Very similar phenomenon. You know, um, if if inflation rises when you're when you were in opposition, it's because of corruption. But inflation rises when you're in power. Well, hey, you know these things happen. Mm-hmm. You know, so so there was that sort of drip, drip, drip sort of uh, fraying really of of trust and and belief. You know. Um, but but you have to realize that there's still a cult following who will um, support and justify no matter what happens. You see, it's it's that it's that it's that sort of messianic fervor, mm-hmm. um, really. You know, and and he's uh, he's done a very 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 good job of um, you know fueling that fervor. You know, I mean, he he'll drop like you know these sort of uh, you know religious references. He'll drop these like cultural references, historical references, many of which are unfortunately, um, you know, not quite factually correct. But, you know, who goes beyond that, right? Who's right. actually going to go and look that up? And if you do, then, you know, you're just a part of, you know, the corrupt uh, establishment that never wants to let Pakistan, Pakistan prosper, blah, 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 blah. But, blah. okay, so what's the, but what's the, uh, you know, like your, from your perspective, you're someone I've known for a long time. I trust your judgment because I, I know that your integrity as a journalist is very respectable and respectworthy. And also the because one, the only, but, the only thing about you that I calls your, your integrity into question is your continued fandom of Zack Snyder's Justice League of America. But, you know, everyone's got their flaws. Greatest trinity of, comic book movies ever made starting from Man of Steel to Batman. No, but we're going to fight over this man. Okay, let, yeah, right. So let's, let's not, do this. Right. Let's, 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 let's not. Let's not. Because this will turn bloody and violent and it the will. world is I'll enough come to your misery. house. <laughs> as, soon as, I, as, soon as, I, as soon as I get the visa, man. Like, purple for travel, I'm going to beat up Sami. You know? <laughs> they'll they'll I, actually give it to you quickly. They will give me a visa yeah, yeah. instantly. You know this. Instantly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. But do you think in his three years, three and a half years, Imran Khan was worse or better than any of the prime ministers we've had before, counting in COVID happened and all of these things? Okay, first of all, credit where credit is due. The handling of COVID, I think, was excellent. And I was initially a very big critic of that. You know, Khan wanted everything locked down and, you know, just the trend that was like going throughout the entire world. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that time has uh, proven that his uh, handling of COVID um, was actually good. Granted, there were other sort of mitigating factors at play as well, you know, a younger population and so on and so forth. But I'm not going to take away from the deserved credit mm-hmm. of, of, of the government. I think that, like, look, the problem with him was that I don't think he's ever realized that at some point a prime minister also has to be a politician. You see, his entire his entire sort of appeal strategy was that I'm the outsider and I'm going to come and shake up the system. But at some point, you also have to work with and inside the system. You mm-hmm. see, I don't think he ever understood that. And again, this sort of ties into that whole messianic fervor, right? I am chosen by, by providence, by destiny. You know, this is my destiny, right? Now, once you start believing that, then it sort of creates, I think, within yourself, a feeling that you are infallible, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, um, who, who is to stand against fate and destiny, right? And then he got surrounded by a coterie of uh, sometimes incredibly foul-mouthed 
advisors and psychopaths who mm. uh, and this is the peril of power everywhere isn't it Sabha? right right yeah, absolutely. right i mean it's not power doesn't corrupt so much i think as proximity to power does you right. know so the people around him they were that they told him because they owed everything just to him right so their entire purpose was to just keep him happy and sometimes they would keep him happy in fact not sometimes i would say most of the time by telling him simply what he wanted to hear and not the actual reality of it people who did that you saw were marginalized were sort of pushed to the fringes secondly you know i think he has i think it's safe to say that he has a deep rooted dislike distaste possibly even loathing of traditional politics and politicians mm -hmm. now a lot of people share that loathing right i mean go on out in australia right now hey do you like politicians i doubt you'll find Same. anyone exactly anywhere in, anywhere in the world right but you can't you have to acknowledge their existence right mm. i mean you can you can think that the opposition parties are all full of thieves and now well now the new narrative is that they're all traitors you know which i think is 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 uh, i think that that's the prime number one argument i have against uh, atheism here mm. in pakistan because i tell people ke like okay so khan says that say 60% of the parliament is uh, traitors you know tell me with the highest number of traitors per capita in the world how does this country continue to survive if not exactly survive if not through divine intervention i mean you know in your face <laughs> right so so i mean you know this sort of sweeping generalizations or oh, only i am right only people who support us are right everyone else is you know either corrupt or at best or stupid or at worst a traitor i mean that's not exactly how to win friends and and influence mm. people you know so the absolute arrogance the absolute insistence that i am right come what may you know um these things these things did add up however the main the way his ouster has been uh, managed you know and uh, and this very compelling narrative that oh so now we're back to the same faces that uh, you know have dominated pakistan's polity for the last several decades i mean that does sell it does sell in the masses plus you add like a tone of sort of you know honor based nationalism to that you know you add like a little sprinkling of religion and spiritualism you know um gherat i mean i don't know exactly how that mm -hmm. translates gherat um i suppose honor you know self respect so on and so forth that 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 sells a great deal you know right. so so he still has that and at the moment i'm seeing what is undeniably a groundswell of sympathy and support i see that people are buying the treason and foreign conspiracy uh uh narrative here because let's face it you know in the past there have been such conspiracies um you know the conspiracies end up being proven true quite often you know so um that that is tailor made to generate sympathy and support in the pakistani masses it's also at the same time incredibly dangerous because mm -hmm. you have uh, his party leaders from the podium saying these traitors should be hung they're hanging people in effigy it doesn't take a great deal for rhetoric of this nature at the top to translate into violence at the ground you know how that works right you know there's i mean that is, this isn't even a dog whistle sami you know this is an open statement that these people are traitors that these people are working at the behest of you know evil foreign forces that is not an accusation in my opinion to be level likely
So that that evil foreign forces accusation, there's been a whole thing that's been coming out where he, at one point before the the vote no confidence, had a letter that showed evidence of American involvement in Pakistani politics. Can you give us some context? What the hell was that? And how realistic is that? Okay. Okay. So it's a cable. All right. Now, now first, I mean, you know how diplomacy works, right? Mm -hmm. You have ambassadors, you have diplomats, you know, so on and so forth around the world. They hold private and, frankly speaking, very candid meetings with foreign officials. So the right. story goes that our ambassador in the United States, our then ambassador, he's currently been posted to Brussels now, I believe. Um, ambassador Asad, Asad M. Khan, okay, had a meeting with David Liu, okay, um, or was it Donald Liu? Um, one of the two, okay, uh, right. escapes me. You know, all these white people, white people names sound the same. <laughs> so, um, you know, something with a D, you know. So he had a meeting with uh, D. Lu, uh, in which, uh, according to, as per the version that the Prime Minister and the PTI are going with, he told them that, you know, okay, he shouldn't go to Russia, so on and so forth, which they were, of course, I think, telling the entire world at that point, right? Like, cut off relations with Russia, you know, join us in the sanctions, don't vote, uh, you know, vote for, uh, against Russia, so on and so forth. Um, even India didn't listen, you know, that's mm -hmm. uh, important to know. Um, so he had this meeting in which he also said that, okay, there's going to be a vote of no confidence, according to the government, he said this. And uh, it would be better for Pakistan, there would be consequences for Pakistan if he won the vote of no confidence. Now the government, um, this was now obviously duly transmitted through a coded diplomatic cable, right? Mm -hmm by our yeah. ambassador to the government. Now these communications, right? And this is impossible to explain to um, the people at large, but these communications are coded and private for a reason, right? Because right. the job of your ambassador, look, this is not a official statement from the state, state department, we express grave concern, blah, blah, blah. Those are the languages they use. In private, they will speak pretty clearly, yes. okay? So, so as per the government, this. They took this as a regime threat, change threat. Now, the way I look at it, and I've spoken with serving and former foreign office officials, um, this went to the National Security Committee. The National Security Committee said that it was undiplomatic language that amounted to blatant interference in Pakistan's internal affairs, and that they would reply with a strong demarche uh, to the government, the country in question, which of course, you know, we know is the United States of America. Now, let's just take a step back, take a breath, and just try and logically deconstruct this, okay? First of all, let's go with the assumption that the US was in fact planning regime change. I wouldn't imagine that the best way to go about that is to call the target country's ambassador and tell him, hey, buddy, mm. we're about to topple, we're gonna topple your government if you don't get in line, okay? But let's assume that they're Americans, they're arrogant, you know, do more, we will bomb you to the Stone Age, blah, blah, blah. So they go ahead and do that. And the next piece of evidence that they are adding to this is that US uh, diplomatic staff, embassy officials, so on and so forth, began meeting with opposition politicians mm -hmm. and also with journalists in full public view to carry on this conspiracy. Because it's not enough to just warn the ambassador that, bro, we're coming for you you are going to openly conspire in full public view by meeting these people in on the record right. public 
meetings, right? I mean, forget about it. Forget about the fact that, you know, when an opposition, Imran Khan used to routinely meet uh, foreign diplomatic staff. That's literally how it works. Right. And as for why are those meetings taking place at an, a higher tick now? Because diplomats want to know what is going on in said country and how that's going to affect that country in the future and how they should formulate their policies. I've met with dozens of diplomats from Iranian diplomats to, you know, British diplomats, um, you know, even an Australian diplomat, right? Right, yeah. Um, and those are just like routine briefings. So what's going on, this and that, so on and so forth, you know, I mean, so, uh, so they took that as, again, proof positive, right? Now, foreign office officials that I've spoken with, former and serving, are aghast because they're like, look, this is a not only damaging for you to just take this and wave it out because this is a privileged uh, communication meant for the eyes of the government of Pakistan and mm -hmm. no further than that, right? Oh, they're also saying that, oh, we can't make it public, but just trust us when we say, right, yeah, yeah. Okay? Now coming back to the, and I'm sorry, I have to keep jumping back no, and no, forth it's the convoluted story, okay? So now the National Security Committee, which in which military officials also sit, you know, civilian officials also sit, it's like a very important uh, uh, security body. They again said undiplomatic language and in blatant interference in the internal affairs of Pakistan, right? Which PTI supporters are taking as tantamount to them saying that this is a regime change threat. Do you respond to a regime change threat with a strongly worded Dimashe? Or do you actually then go about investigating and arresting the local partners of said conspiracy? People, I have seen people being arrested, being abducted, being disappeared for far, far less. So right, we all have, exactly. Yeah, we all have, and some of us have actually been there. Uh, but, uh, so my, my logic doesn't extend from one to the other. As for, then they're like, well, what do you mean? What, what do they mean when they say blatant interference? Blatant interference is also what the government of Narendra Modi called Rehana's tweet when she said about the farmers' protests in India, okay, what was going on in India? And they were like, this is blatant interference. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, they said the same thing when Trudeau made a statement about it, or literally when anybody makes a statement about anything that's going on over there or anywhere else. That is the term that is used, blatant interference. However, um, people are willing to buy it. Right. And, you know, I can't, Really, and I do understand why, because this is a part of the world um, which has stared down the gun barrel of U.S. foreign policy for decades, mm -hmm. right? War upon war, we've seen, we've seen us going from like allies to being sanctioned, like literally in like three days, right. you know, browbeaten. Right. I'm talking about the Pakistani perspective. This is the Pakistani perspective. You have been browbeaten, we have been manipulated, you know, we have been sanctioned, our enemies have been supported against us. You know, we were losing tens of thousands of people and still we were being blamed, you know. So there is a great deal of anti-Americanism. And I mean, I'll tell you straight up that, you know, I'm the same way. I mean, I, 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 feel, I feel much the same. So it isn't much of a stretch to go from there to imagine that America is conspiring against you. Has America conspired against you in the past? Yes. Has America generally been an agent of regime change across the world? Hell yes. Do I believe that this current political imbroglio and this current crisis, which has been years in the building, is the direct result of U.S. interference? No, I do not.
but I am in a minority. Right. Well, so how then does someone who has, you know, a, a rabidly fanatical fan base in which I also count many of my friends and many of my family, including they, their family, and, they, and, and, and is hugely popular, how does that person, and he has evidence of, you know, quote, unquote, evidence of American interference and all these things, how does he lose a vote in no conference and now finish his term to a result? Yeah, that's look. That's politics. Now, if you look at the numbers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if I recall correctly, he lost the vote, one hundred and seventy-four votes to one hundred and seventy-two votes. It's a very narrow margin. Now, a couple of things have come into play. Okay, one, he lost the support of critical coalition partners. Imran Khan wasn't elected with a majority. His party wasn't elected with a majority, so they had to, and you know how this works. They had to take the uh, support of coalition right. partners. Those included the MQM, they included the BAP, they included the PMLQ, and um, you know this GDA, one or two like smaller parties. All of them, except for the PMLQ, abandoned him. Okay. okay. Now, you can go by the reasons they gave. The Baluchistan Awami party said that, oh, you know, he didn't really listen to us. He was, you know, didn't really care for Balochistan. None of the promises were fulfilled. The Balochistan National Party of Akhtar Mengel, they had already abandoned him. They had their own list of demands that they felt had not been taken seriously. MQM decided to make a deal with the PPP because mm-hmm. they were like, hey, we're not, we haven't gotten much from you in the last three, three and a half years. So we're going to go with these guys now. And um, the GDA also was like, you know, you, got, you don't even listen to us, blah, blah, blah. And that has also been a defining hallmark of uh, not just the, the former prime minister himself, but literally his entire party leadership and incredible self-righteous arrogance. You know, and the thing is that in the field of politics, you can hate the other guy, man. Okay. I could hate you. I could want to like right. reach you yeah. through the screen and like, you know, strangle you. You know, halfway to death, revive you and then strangle you all over again. I'm sorry. I'm my, my inner I, know, I, I, I felt know. like this got a little too detailed. In, 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 okay, okay, okay. Yes. But you get the picture, right? I mean, you get the picture. Yes. So when I meet you, I'm not going to let that show. It's going to be like, yeah, Sabi, right, hi, how are you? It's been looking so good, man. You know, I mean, I love that little uh, single white hair. Right <laughs> so, so hot. You know, so you got to do that, man. You know, so he didn't do any of uh. that. Now, now, now we come to the elephant in the room because we can't not come to the elephant in the room. Um, now, look, it's an open secret, and it is something that the PTI, you know, and their supporters vehemently, like you know, would be like yell at you and curse you with like you know choice expletives if you ever brought this up. But the fact is that his rise to power, while um, obviously he has his massive following and he had all of that, there's no doubt about it. But he was also helped by the military establishment. Right. We know this. Now, I'm not even saying that that translates into direct rigging on election day. Frankly speaking, I think that's a misconception people have. The setting takes place before that. You see, um, certain politicians are leaned on to join you, you know, Mm. which is what happened. You found people leaving different parties and joining um, Imran Khan, you know, and some of them magically, they saw their court cases and their police cases sort of just, you know, (laughs) disappear. Mm -hmm. You know, because now you've been um, dry cleaned, you know, now you are part of the revolution. You are no longer a part of the corrupt mafias, you know. And, um, you know, coalition partners like the MQM, the BAP and so on and so forth were, you know, given not so subtle hints, you know, it's better if you join them, right? Now, what happened is that last year, okay, now, just to segue a little bit, it is inevitable, and this is a 
feature of Pakistan's politics that even that the establishment, you know, patronizes parties, they grooms them, grooms certain politicians, brings them into power. But once those people are in power, they start believing that, hey, I am actually the prime minister. Right, exactly. Always you know, been a feature. It's a critical error. You know, and whenever they do that, um, and inevitably in any power sharing arrangement, there are, you know, struggles, you know. Um, uh, and, and the moment that the military establishment feels that, hey, this guy is getting too big for his boots, he gets cut down. Okay, in the past, that has taken the place of uh, constitutional provisions, 58 to b people were disqualified, blah, blah, blah. Um, there were outright coups, as we know, you know, um, slowly, slowly. And you see, the thing is that, you know, progress is one step forward, two steps back, right? Progress is not really linear, right? So over time, so various civilian governments did their best to remove those constitutional provisions that would allow you to dismiss a government. Right. So now what you're left with is this. So what happened here is that last year, round about, I think, October, um, there was this massive flap over the appointment of the new director general of the ISI, which is Pakistan's, you know, premier intelligence agency. Right. Interservices and, intelligence. Right. And, 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 and uh, has an external role and an internal role. Right. And the internal role, unfortunately, for quite some decades, I think, starting with Zia and uh, maybe even before that, starting with Zia, yeah. Um, has also been used for political engineering, mm -hmm. okay, you know, dirty tricks, you know, so on and so forth, right? He wanted to have the previous DGISI, general, uh, you know, okay, the previous DGISI, right. continue in his office, okay, because that man was and is widely perceived as being very, very, very close to Mr. Khan, and in fact, instrumental in the political um, jortor, how would I say? The wheeling and dealing. The, the wheeling dealing, and dealing, right, exactly. The political wheeling and dealing, uh, that kept him in power, mm. you see. Now, but when he tried to assert that over a domain that the military guards very jealously, right, the whole process of appointments and so on and so forth, that created a massive rift with the military establishment, okay? And um, one effect of that was that those calls to coalition partners and calls to different politicians, those stopped coming. Okay. And um, I know, and I know this, um, that till the last minute, a lot of the coalition partners were waiting for that phone to come. Were waiting for that signal to come. No signals were coming. You see? Which is so a signal in and of itself. Which is a signal in and of itself, right? So they were like, all right, because we're very adept at, you know, reading the wind you know, mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, the, the tea leaves and, you know, the entrails of the fatted lamb. I mean, whatever, whatever floats your boat here, really, you know, whatever particular means of <laughs> subscribe to, you know. So um, those stopped coming. So they were like, fine, then we're just going to go wherever we feel like where, where it's best for us to go, mm -hmm. which is what they did. Also, the opposition had managed to split off a sizable number of PTI dissidents. Okay. Now, in the PTI narrative, they've all been bought, you know, they're right, very, right. you know, corrupt uh, people and so on and so forth. Of course, I mean, when they were joining the PTI, they were... They were heroes know, and noble warriors you know, for freedom. Totally, right. you know, one to make it down. Even though um, there is some, you know, evidence to suggest that monetary incentives played a part there too. But here's what they don't understand, because for this, you need to understand the political system of Pakistan is that it's not always about money or just about money. A lot of the time, it's about power. Yeah. 
So these guys joined PTI when they saw that, okay, the military establishment is backing them. There's this cloud surge in popularity, blah, blah, blah. Let's join the winning side. Now, when the winning side is no longer the winning side, what do you do? You right. you which is what they did. But they didn't even eventually end up needing those votes. Okay. See? Yeah. So, they, okay, they, so... We're now. I, mean, I don't know if that makes any sense. I mean, no, it does. It completely contextualizes. It's it. a lot more that I've omitted, but you know, I mean, I don't want to like. No, of course, and, and this is a good yeah. overview and it provides a, a lot of context without people running for the hill screaming. Hopefully, um, the question yeah. is: now we are in the situation where the old guard, you know, all these none of these politicians who are now you know coming back, they're not new faces. Imran Khan, no. better or for worse, was a new face on the an outsider system. to the political system. Yes, right. And so now all of these, like the newest face here, is Bilawal Bhutto Zardari, who is Benazir Bhutto's son. Yeah, exactly. And that. that's pretty much it. Hardly um, an outsider. <laughs> exactly. And 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 so yeah. we're seeing the return of these faces when there's an election again, which there yeah. will be. Which How does this not just end up bolstering and boosting Imran Khan even further? Yeah. Yes, yes. Now that is the real question, man. You see. Um, and this is a debate that we've been having, I think, you know, for a week now, constantly. Mm. I've talking to a lot of people about this, man. Look, at the moment, there's a massive groundswell. And he is going to keep escalating because he needs to sustain this momentum, you know, mm -hmm. up mm -hmm. until the elections are held. Now, you can only sustain a momentum like this by escalating that momentum, right? Um, now, that is the ideological um, sort of uh, perhaps even idealistic view of the situation. But now let's come down to brass tacks. An election is a war. Yes. And armies, as Napoleon said, travel on their bellies, okay? Elections aren't just won through massive rallies or through, you know, we stand with you, Imran Khan, hashtags on Twitter right. and Facebook. Elections are won through logistics. Elections are an expensive business. And his two main financiers, Jahangir Khan and Alim Khan, who were his best buddies, closest advisors, are now completely alienated from him. Right. Mm. Secondly, a lot of the logistics support, you know, through various channels, arrives from the, you know, with the blessings of the military establishment. That is not going to be there anymore. You see, so can he campaign on charisma alone? How do you translate that support into votes and then translate those votes into seats? It's a lot trickier and a lot harder than his idealistic um, uh, supporters seem, seem, seem to believe. And there's another irony here, uh, Sami, that I think it would be remiss if I didn't point towards, okay? Is that now, um, I have never in all my, you know, days, seen such an outpouring of scorn and, um, you know, in some cases, abuse on social media for the military establishment because his support, yeah, 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 man, yeah. From his look, supporters. Oh, yes, from his supporters. Okay, now, now here's the punch, the, the, the kicker is coming here, right? I mean, if you take a look at any tweet right now by the DGISPR, the Director General of the Army's uh, Public Relations uh, wing, right? Um, it's it's just a torrent, okay? It's a torrent, okay? You'll have to just go and see that for yourself. This is unprecedented. These aren't people with like fake names and DPs. These are regular folk, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Granted, a lot of them are overseas, you know, so there won't be any consequences and so on and so forth. But here's the thing. Mm. When these guys came to power and people such as myself, 
or various human rights activists and so on and so forth would even subtly say something like hey, you you know you do realize that you have come in partially at least on the crutches of the military establishment we were called traitors our patriotism was questioned was questioned mm. our you know i mean we were, there were vicious vicious attacks uh, the female journalists absolutely got the worst of them it was a playbook right out of the bjp's handbook you right. know how they coordinate mass attacks troll attacks so on and so forth and, and this was directed by top party functionaries and office holders okay i mean with their names i mean it was mm -hmm. clear right now those guys are saying 10 times worse than anything we ever said you know um now there's been a report that the head of the digital media wing like you know uh, his house was raided by the uh, uh, you know kya kehte hain police you know so on and so forth and his mobile phones were taken from him and now they're screaming that this is a gross violation of human rights certainly it is but when journalists colleagues of mine people right. i know people i with were abducted shot sometimes harassed had their homes beaten broken into and were beaten up and the culprits were never caught these people would shamelessly gaslight them and us same right. people these are the people who would yell abuse at human rights activists and call them traitors so on and so forth now they're like but why is no one speaking because this guy's phones were stolen hey well buddy we are still speaking but we did tell you that this day would come yeah, yeah and yeah. only people who would be willing to speak for you would be us right but there is no reflection there is no realization there is only self righteousness and arrogance and one thing i have seen man is that our arrogance and self righteousness eventually there is all this it's come up in and we are seeing that now so i will not lie and say that you know i mean there is a great deal of strain for it right now there is a great deal yeah i was wondering about that no, there, there, there is i'm not going to lie about that there right is. because these are the same people who would abuse everyone who disagreed with them on these points you know minority activists were harassed women's rights activists human rights activists so on and so forth people were offed you know all kinds of things were happening now they would be like where is the proof that anybody is behind them i mean what do you think they're going to do they're going to give you a signed video statement saying haha this was us no it doesn't work that way right but these are the people who were hand in glove with that they were mm -hmm. the ones who used to shout down and drown out any discourse that went contrary to the accepted narrative and now the shoe is on the the boot to be precise yes. is on is is on the other foot you know so so i mean wo kya kehte hain na like say in urdu duniya gol hai man the world is round yeah it always comes back around everything comes back around i just didn't expect it to happen this quickly i was expecting this 2 3 years down the line mm. somewhere in his second term but i guess that god has upgraded his processes you know things happen a so lot of now Oh, you everything's know. moving a lot faster. I blame the Large Hadron Super Collider. Ever since yes. it turned that thing on, things have gone crazy. That is a very good point, and I don't. I think at this point, I think we have enough scientific evidence now to make that claim quite I, legitimately. Hey man, if, if, if vaccines can contain microchips, why can't the Super Collider have shunted us into Bizarro, uh, the Bizarro timeline? Right, exactly, and uh, uh, that is exactly the kind of scientific. Explain that, liberal. You know. <laughs> Oh. So oh. you're well there, you're safe there. I'm all right, man. I'm all right. I'm all right. Okay. That's good to know, brother. <laughs> this, is, this is why this is why I can't work in any other country because I mean it's too exciting. Know, 
four years of your politics and two days of ours. <laughs> no, no. Honestly, Australian politics is 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 pretty bananas. But it it, it it doesn't. You know, it's been a while since Pakistani politics has gone like no, no, no. Let's remind everyone who the kings hey, and crazy hey, are. Hey, I, I was reading somewhere that like seventy percent of the uh, toilets in uh, the UK House of Commons tested positive for cocaine, which totally explains <laughs> Boris Johnson's hair. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And be like, I don't remember. You know, it's like, yeah. Dude, okay. we, had a, we had a story here in Australia last year of uh, a young parliamentarian aide being caught masturbating on a desk. So, you I, know, I, 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 the I, whole I, I, world's I, going to shit I and did, everyone's crazy. Yes, of course you did. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Astaghfirullah. <laughs> indeed. All right, that was Zarar Koro over on uh, Dawn News in Pakistan telling us all about the Imran Khan government. I hope you found that context interesting. I hope you found it as enlightening as I did, to be very honest. Uh, it just made me grateful to not be focusing on Pakistani politics as much as I did for so many years of my life, indeed. Uh, as always, you can support this podcast over at patreon.com. That's patreon.com slash Shah S-A-M-I-S-H-A-H. Your shekels go a long way. Uh, I also see you at my Melbourne International Comedy Festival show as well as my Sydney and Perth Comedy Festival shows as well. I'm doing both of those. This is News Weekly, where we punch the news in the headlines. 